Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and together with my wife Shreya, we are exploring all of the things that make our faith what it is. We're trying to strip away all of those unnecessarily churchy and intellectual words. You know, those words that sound really great and really academic, but often confuse things more than they help. We're trying to strip those away and explore what we like to call an authentic Christianity for normal people. We're trying to have difficult conversations about complex things in a way that is easy for everyone to understand. And I hope we're doing a reasonable job of that. This week, we are continuing our conversation around healing. And I'm very grateful to be joined again by my good friend, Simon Argent. Now, Simon is uh, one of the elders at Ascot Life Church and leads the Read course that commission a family of churches in the UK runs teaching theology and things of the Bible and stuff like that. And he's very good at it. We appreciate Simon very much. And him and his wife, Liz, are very good friends of ours. We love having them on the show. So Simon, it's great to be having a four week series with you. And we're, mm. we're one down. We're moving into the next one. Yeah, it's good to be here. Are you well? Um, very well. I mean, we get finished it? talking on the last episode. <laughs> oh, I get it. See, that's why uh, that kind of that kind of rich, unending <laughs> banter is what you tune yeah. into this podcast for. I'm sorry about that. We should really just restart this take, but I'm not going to. We're going to keep going because I want you to hear Simon's incredible. I've been prepping that unending. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So last week we started this conversation around divine healing. We talked about how healing is all the way throughout the Bible and not just in Jesus's ministry, as often we kind of make this assumption that is the case. It's, it's not the case. There's healing, yes, in the New Testament and healing kind of explodes into life in Jesus's ministry, but actually it, it's all the way through the Bible. And then we looked at the different views of, of whether healing is still happening today. Divine physical healing, I should say, from God is happening today. We looked at what we called the, the cessationist argument that the gifts have ceased. And we looked at the continuationist view. Now, like you said last week, cards on the table, we are continuationists. We believe that God still heals today. And in this episode, we want to ask the question, is divine healing guaranteed? So we've established, at least we think so, we've established an argument that God heals today. The question is, does he do it all the time? Is it immediate? Mm -hmm. Is it always guaranteed? Well, that's a hard question. And that's where we're going to start today, Simon. So, I mean, where do we start? I think we should probably start by looking at a series of teaching that's called the prosperity gospel, or sometimes referred to as mm -hmm. the word of faith movement or the, the health and wealth gospel. So Simon, Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the different terms for it. Um, the one I'm most familiar with is kind of prosperity gospel. Yeah, health and wealth. It's it's a broad teaching. You might have some some quotes that you know put it in their own words much better than I can. But it's that if you have enough faith and if you you know ask God in the right way, then you can receive all the blessings you want. You can you know get all the wealth you want. You can get the car. You can get their health. And all you need to do is ask with faith. So this is often kind of referred to, I think, as the word of faith movement. If you just have the right faith, then you can get all these things. And of course, the reverse side of that coin is uh, if you are not uh, rich and doing very well for yourself. And uh, if you don't have all the money you want, it must be because you don't have faith and you need to believe more. And I guess that can be quite an attractive position because who doesn't want health and wealth? I want that. 
Yeah. Um, but I guess as we're going to talk about, it can have, uh, I would say, some very, very dangerous consequences if we if we believe that. Yeah, I think you explained that really well. And you're right, it can be quite attractive, especially if you are starving in a, a village in rural Africa and someone tells you that if you just put your last few coins into the offering, you you will be rich and you'll be freed from this poverty and stuff. I mean, there is some horrendous stuff that goes on in the name of the prosperity gospel. Uh, we would say right from the outset that this is what we call a heresy. It is unbiblical. It's dangerous. Having said that, Creflo Dollar, I mean, you've got to love a name like Creflo Dollar. You know that it's going to be, be good. But he... He had to. He raised a, an offering a few years ago. It was famously in the news because he needed a new private jet, not just a private jet, a new private jet, because he needed his private private jet to do his ministry. And I'm not going to lie, there's part of that in an earthly human sense that seems pretty appealing, having my own private jet. But it's just not in the Bible. I'm going to say it right from the start. But we'll 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 refute this from the start. But let's talk about what they say about healing in this ministry. Now, I want to say we love these people, and we'll pray for them. Uh, we want to refute false teaching. Uh, hopefully we'll do it in a way that is loving and kind. I don't, I, I do think the name Creflo Dollar when you're a prosperity gospel preacher is, is unfortunate. But beside that, I want to try and be kind in this. But Kenneth Copeland, he's a, a major proponent of what we call the prosperity gospel. He sees healing as what he calls a divine promise that believers can claim in light of the atonement. Now we'll talk about the atonement a little bit if you've never heard of that that word. But the key thing is like Simon, like you said, that people have enough faith. And this is, I want to quote something from his own blog because we don't want to do them dirty. We want to, we want to uh, quote them accurately and, and hear what they have to say for themselves. He says this, if healing doesn't occur, it's because they haven't received revelation of their rights and therefore do not contend for them. So if, if you haven't got healing, it's because you're not, you don't understand your right to be healed. You're not contending. You're not uh, declaring. You're not taking authority over healing. That's, that's one of their teachings. It's the idea there that if we just give our lives to Jesus and we're saved, then we're freed from the curse of sin. But not just the curse of sin, Copeland would say. He says, and again, I quote, he says, we're freed from death, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, depression, addiction, Anything you can think of. That's literally what he says. Anything you can think of. So if you can think of it, you're freed from it. This is the teaching of uh, what we call the health and wealth gospel. Follow Jesus and you'll be rich and healthy. Mm. Now, let's talk about why this is wrong and dangerously false for a whole host of reasons. Uh, I think the first one I would say, Simon, is that our, our experience doesn't correlate with what Copeland or what the prosperity gospel preachers would teach. I'm not rich and I'm not uh, but I, I, I'm not always healed. I have bad knees. Mm. <laughs> what would you say to that? Yeah, well, I think I'd point people back to our last episode. It, it, you've got to be very careful, haven't you, about basing your theology on your experience? Mm. Because, you know, I am. I still believe in healing, even though I don't see it, because I'm convinced that the Bible says it exists. So, But what it should do, I think experience, you said rightly in the last episode, that experience is a helpful thing. I think what it should do is cause us to go back and reevaluate what the Bible says. So if yeah, we're not absolutely. experiencing something, that shouldn't be our measure of truth, but it should just go, Am I, have I been reading the Bible rightly? And yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it, it, as we do that, if someone says to you, all you need is faith, and then you feel like you have faith and you're not healed, it should point you back to the Bible where actually I think we will see things are a little bit, little bit different to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I've seen people who kind of borderline on this type of teaching who have said that when someone isn't healed, they've just said, oh, well, it's because you don't have enough faith. And that is a dangerously short-sighted view of the richness of what the Bible teaches about healing. And what it does pastorally from a, a caring for someone point of view, it makes them feel like God doesn't love them, which is a really dangerous thing. And it's very hard for someone to say, oh, well, I don't have enough faith. Well, okay, I'll change that. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not quite as simple as, as that. Faith is something that, that builds over time, that God moves in us. Anyway, I'm getting off, off the beaten track here. I think the fact is our experience, Simon, you and I, is that we've experienced divine healing. We've seen divine healing, but what we haven't seen is immediate divine healing every time. Sometimes God hasn't healed and doesn't heal. And that's a challenge. If God always healed every Christian, there would never be any dead Christians. I, I don't oh, think what a, a lot of people... What a horrible world that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about, let's talk about the theology of that for a second. That God always heals those who are faithful. Paul preaches to the Galatians because of an illness. We see that in Galatians 4.13. We yeah. talked about that last episode. He suggests a little bit of wine for a believer's frequent illnesses uh, in 1 Timothy 5. He leaves Trophimus ill in Miletus, even though he's healed a bunch of people in 2 Timothy there. So can we really claim that it's a lack of faith? Because otherwise we'd be saying that, well, actually, Paul lacked faith for those people to be healed, but, but we don't. We don't lack faith. Paul did. And if Paul lacks faith, I mean, what hope is there for any of us? That's, I think that's, <laughs> that's a, mm. a tough thing. So that's the first thing is that our experience doesn't correlate. The second argument I wanted to push forward here, Simon, is that healing just isn't solely dependent on faith. That's something that I think mm. we need to clarify here. Uh, maybe uh, you can yeah. lead the way on that. Well, yeah, I, I think what the, whatever you call it, the, these kind, this kind of teaching, I think almost helpfully provokes is it causes us to see that faith is a component in seeing God move. Um, you know, we, I'm sure we could think of many instances in the Gospels where uh, Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. You know, his disciples seek to heal someone and uh, they don't. And he said, he says to them in Matthew 17, uh, he says, oh, you of, of little faith. And often uh, in the Gospels, Jesus will commend people's faith. He will say things, depends on your translation, but he will say, your faith has made you well. Paul in, I think, Acts 14, again, I don't have my, you know, I can't flick through my Bible this quickly, but he says that he stopped to heal someone when he saw he had faith to be made well. So clearly faith is a component in it, but, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a big but, if you don't excuse me using that sort of language, uh, they're, <laughs> they're, um, but faith um, is a component, but firstly, it's not always brought by the person being healed. Um, you see the, the the paralytic man who's lowered into that house. Uh, it was the faith mm. of his friends that brought him to be healed by Jesus. Uh, you've talked about Jesus healing dead people. Lazarus, I think, in his dead state, didn't have any faith and yet was healed. So it's not just that, you know, uh, the faith can only be brought by the person. That's the first thing to say. Uh, because sometimes it can be from those around them. And I actually think it's not also to talk about the kind of level of faith you need for a healing. So you need like, you need to be over 60% of your faith level. Actually, not really what Jesus is talking about when he kind of rebukes the disciples for not having faith. Because he, right after he says that in Matthew 17, uh, he says, you have little faith. But then he says, faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. So it seems that the problem with the disciples wasn't that they didn't have enough faith that they were at 30% when they should have been at 60. 
but it was that they didn't have had any faith really you know they they were not believing that jesus could heal or they were not believing that they could heal in jesus's name and jesus goes on to say faith is small as a mustard seed you can see those things so yeah that's a few responses i think there's probably more to say on that well i think you've hit the nail on the head there i would say that next week we're going to talk about the role of the believer the role of the christian in healing so we've talked about faith being a component and there are other aspects of how god heals Uh, We're going to talk about that in more detail next week. So I'd encourage you, if you're listening for the first time, to uh, subscribe to this podcast so you get a little notification when it comes out. Or just stick with us because we're taking a long, deep dive onto the question of healing. And I recognize that sometimes we want quick answers, but that's where damage is done, where we try to to create quick, Mm. pithy answers to big existential questions about things like healing and and stuff like that this is a huge question this is a huge challenge and we want to handle it slowly and methodically and carefully and hopefully make it interesting along the way (laughs) but those are the first two two questions where 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 the ultimately when we're saying we're going against the health and wealth gospel the prosperity gospel really what we're fighting against is this idea that it's just faith that will bring healing you know, at the moment, at least, we've—you'll hear us talking about the challenges of this teaching in in many other places and contexts. For example, around money and things like that. But we've said our experience doesn't correlate with the teaching of faith only, with faith being the only component. Besides, is it the—is it your faith? Is it the faith of the person praying for you? I mean, that's another question. Mm. Secondly, we're saying that healing isn't solely dependent on faith. And thirdly, physical healing is not an immediate result of the atonement. So this this teaching is basically, uh, it's a very word of faith, prosperity gospel teaching that says, well, when we're saved, we are immediately freed from sickness and disease. You know, we heard Copeland talk about that. And uh, this, is, this is really close to being true. So we don't want to dismiss it out of hand, but it misses the mark on a key factor. So what we don't see is immediate physical healing in light of the atonement. So in Isaiah 53, in fact, let's go to Isaiah 53 now, because yeah, yeah, we'll talk about Isaiah 53. First, let's talk about atonement. So when we talk about atonement, what we're talking about is Jesus dying on the cross as a substitute for us. He's taking our yeah. place and he's paying the price for our sin that we couldn't pay so that we could be free from the clutches of sin and death and be restored to a, a right relationship with God again. Again, I want to point you to another episode. A few weeks ago, we I sat down with Steve Jantz, the director of Miller College of the Bible, and we talked about the goodness of the gospel, the goodness of the good news of Jesus. So I'd encourage you to listen to that So we, if you want to understand more about what we're talking about here. But there's this really famous passage that we briefly mentioned last week in Isaiah 53, or Isaiah 53, if you're listening to the in the UK. I'll never get tired of doing that. But it says this uh, in verse three to four, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. And then listen to this. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. But we, ter- we in turn regarded him stricken and struck him down by, by God, afflicted. I, let me say that again. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. Uh, we often... Uh, you know, there's other parts. We said, yeah, he bore our sicknesses. He, he, by his stripes, we're healed. You know, we, we, you might've heard that phrase and uh, often, you know, you might hear people praying, God, your word says by your stripes, we're healed. So we claim healing in the name of Jesus right now. You know, you'd hear something along those lines. That's close, but it's not quite the one it's, it's good, but it could be better. If that makes sense. The original Hebrew words there for sickness and pain are almost always used to describe physical pain rather than spiritual pain. Now that doesn't mean that 
God isn't, this isn't addressing spiritual pain, but it's usually in the context of physical pain. And what we do is we often go to two extremes. So you might get people who read this passage and say, well, it's talking about spiritual healing. It's about spiritual pain. And he's taking the spiritual challenges and our sinfulness on his shoulders, which is, is good. Or some people might say, well, it's physical healing. And the answer is, it's kind of, kind of both. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he carried our sickness and our pains. He literally bore our sickness on his shoulders. You know, we see in, in Revelation, at the end of Revelation, there's this time that is coming where there will be no sickness and no pain. And, and Jesus is bearing his sickness on his shoulders, which is amazing. And, and there's other places, by the way, like Leviticus 14, where uh, healing comes as a result of making atonement, a similar kind of sacrifice, where it was a sacrifice of an animal rather than the sacrifice of, of Jesus. So Jesus certainly does bring physical and spiritual healing. But the, the really big question, Simon, is how much can we experience that physical healing today? Mm. Well, yeah. And just to kind of take a run up to your question, if that's okay, I think, mm-hmm. again, what I find really helpful about this teaching is it that it flags up that Jesus's death, resurrection and ascension has done more for me than just forgive my sin. It is not just that Jesus died so that I could be forgiven, but he's died to free me from sin. Also, he's died to free me from the effects of sin. He's died to free me from death and sickness. He's died to give me a new body. He's died to give me eternal life for him Uh, with him forever. Uh, And he's also died not just to do things to us for us personally, but he's died to redeem the whole world. You know, in his death and resurrection, he is the first fruits of the whole creation being restored. So it kind of, it uh, fills in the richness of the atonement. Whereas I think, as you say, what, if we do spiritualize that passage from Isaiah, you know, he bore our sicknesses and diseases say, Oh, it's just him taking our spiritual burdens. Actually, I think that misses the point. It misses the richness of what Jesus has done for us. But another big but, I'm being so rude today. Um, <laughs> that's such a bad joke, isn't it? Yeah, uh, really I've, lo- I've just lost everyone. But <laughs> here we go. So uh, Jesus has purchased all these things for us in the atonement. But not all those things can be said to be given to us immediately as soon as we put our faith in Jesus. In fact, some things in the Bible are said to explicitly not come to us until until the end. So Paul talks in Philippians 3 about not already being perfect, talking about, I think, kind of like moral perfection. So the truth is Jesus has died to save me from sin. He's died to make me perfect. And that is not just perfect in God's eyes, but actually he's died to, you know, make me morally perfect too, uh, so that one day I will live without any hint of sin or any sinful attitude. But Paul says, but that that he's purchased for me doesn't occur yet. I've actually got to wait till the end for that. Same, you know, thinking about new bodies. As soon as I put my faith in Jesus, I didn't get a brand spanking new body. That's something that comes to me at the end. And I think we could say that the same for healing. Mm. Uh, it's like Jesus's atonement has brought us healing and that we will taste in its fullness at the end. Now, that's not to say that we can sometimes in our prayers see kind of the future come into the present, but the Bible does kind of have a paradigm of it's kind of like we experienced some of these already, but we are waiting for some of them not yet. And only at the at the end, when Jesus returns, will we experience these things in their fullness. And so, yes, Jesus, you know, healing is in the atonement, but that doesn't guarantee when we experience that. Yeah, that's really good. There's a paper that a theologian called Fillmore wrote that we've both found really helpful in, in, yeah. in this. Uh, and he puts it forward in a few different views. Now, 
what I'm going to present is probably a bit of an oversimplification of what he shared because it was a, a large paper. We have a short amount of time. And also what I want to say is that there are a whole spectrum of beliefs here. We're going to paint with broad brush strokes. So there might be kind of differing areas along that spectrum. But what we see are four general views of where the kingdom is at, you know, how far the kingdom has come and how much of that healing we can expect. And uh, the, the classic liberal view is the one that recognizes that God can heal, but says that he chooses not to because he's respecting the laws of the universe. So in other words, this is the kind of the view that God is choosing not to be involved with his creation in terms of healing. And we've already refuted that, I think, in the last episode and in this episode. So we'll move on. There's the classic cessationist view, starting hopefully to recognize that word, that, that the gifts have ceased so that God can heal today and occasionally does, but doesn't grant the gifts of healing to believers since the apostolic era has ended. Well, we've we refuted that in the last episode as well. So we'll move on. Then there's the classic Pentecostal view. Now, Pentecostal beliefs are broad and varied, uh, but it reflects some of the views of people like Copeland that we talked about above, saying that healing has been bought through the cross and simply needs to be received through faith. And we're saying, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of, but but not. it's not just an issue of faith. It's a bit more complicated that, than, than that. And healing isn't immediate. So we've talked about that already. So we've kind of refuted that one. That leaves us with this last view the classic charismatic view, which uh, would explain the kingdom of God as a now but not yet kind of thing. Simon, you mentioned that. As a result, believers sometimes experience the the kingdom kind of spilling out from the future into the present through God's grace, but won't experience it in all its fullness until the second coming of Jesus. Now, Fillmore will go on to kind of create a more nuanced version of this view, but I think essentially this is a this is a good broad stroke to to talk about that say to say, yeah, okay. Healing will come, but not necessarily in all its fullness now. We may experience kind of a spilling out. So is there a time when healing will come? Again, we want to emphasize that. Revelation 21 says that there will be no more death or grief or crying or pain. And divine healing is absolutely guaranteed when Jesus returns as a result of his sacrifice on the cross. When we get, Simon, that new body that you were mentioning, hopefully mine will have a bit more hair at the top than than it does now because mine's thinning out quite substantially. And even maybe my new body will be able to grow a better beard because Simon's got a pretty good beard. I'd like to have a a beard like that with my new body. But until then... We I was going to say, we, we could look exactly alike if that was the oh, case. Ma- ma- is that what my divine body would look like? <laughs> <Simon>. <laughs> no, no, I came out wrong, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. But until then, we may not experience yeah. divine healing until the second coming of Jesus. But what we can do is we can remind ourselves of the truth in the Bible that God does heal, that he has healed throughout biblical history. We can be filled with faith knowing that he does heal today. And yet for mm. sometimes, uh, for sometimes, for some reason that we don't always understand, sometimes he doesn't heal. And uh, that's where we have to look to God's sovereignty. Again, we, we've done an episode talking about God's sovereignty. You can check that one out. Just scroll down a bit. It's quite a way down now. But we can recognize, yes, divine healing is guaranteed in the future. But to say that God will always heal this side of eternity is, is a fairly dangerous thing. That's what I think. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I again, cards on the table, we would both probably put ourselves in the charismatic camp, uh, as would Fillmore, although yeah, you're right, he kind of offers a kind of nuance of that. But I, I think the, the challenge of sitting there is that we end up placing ourselves in what a friend of mine, Duncan Lee, calls the radical middle, because you, you're believing that God heals and that he, he can heal, that he can powerfully bring 
his kind of kingdom future into the present. He can bring those benefits in as a kind of sign of that future, a sign that, you know, he is working, a sign of his love, a sign of his compassion. But we also have the tension of believing, but it, it won't always happen. And and that is that is a hard place to be. I think it'd be it'd be sometimes easier to have no nuance and say, God will heal every time if he's not healing the problems with me. I know exactly why he's not healing. It's me. Uh, or you can go to the other side and say, God's not healing because he doesn't heal. I know exactly why he's not healing. It's because he doesn't do it. Whereas we have this, this is why we've got a few more episodes, isn't it? We have this, why isn't God healing? Well, I don't know. We believe that he will heal and believe that he loves to heal through our prayers, uh, but he doesn't always. And we can't give specific reasons for that. The Bible will point us to some and we'll talk about those. But it's a harder place to be. It's a place with a lot more tension. But I've found it's it's the place I have to sit to be biblically biblically faithful. And actually what I often have to do uh, is I often have to continue to push myself into praying for healing and to, to believing again, because my tendency, uh, yours might be the opposite, but my tendency is always lack of faith and always mm. to think, oh, God doesn't want to heal, doesn't want to do it. Whereas, again, my friend Duncan Lee helps says, no science, sit in the radical middle, you know, believe for it and yet be faithful when you don't see it. Yeah, those would be my thoughts. Excellent. I think that's such a good way to end. You've, you've kind of drawn us to that tension that, yeah, God does heal. Sometimes he doesn't. And divine healing is guaranteed one day, but we're not there yet. So at the moment, we experience this kind of spilling out while we wait in the, the radical middle where we see some of the kingdom of heaven poured out and we see healing miracles and gifts of healing come, but we're not, we're not there yet. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about the Christian's role in divine healing. That's going to be a really important episode. And I want to tell you now, there isn't some quick fix formula because, you know, as with so many things in life, it's not quite that simple. But we'll talk about that and see what that looks like. And then in the following week, we're going to talk about exactly what we've kind of touched on just here. What happens when healing doesn't come? So uh, my prayer is that you found this really helpful. I hope, I hope so. We're, we're, we're trying to create as much of a balanced view within our, you know, of course, our continuationist bias as possible to honor what the scriptures say and what the Bible says about divine healing. So with that in mind, have an incredible week and we will see you next week to talk about the Christian's role in divine healing. Bye.